0: Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation.
1: We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Who's editing this?
2: You are.
0: I just thought talk- <laughs> we literally had this whole conversation about who the hell was going to edit this episode because the whole damn mixed company is going on vacation in the same motherfucking week. Yeah. So I just think that this is hilarious that A, we have a guest today. B, we out here trying to do shows the way we ain't never did shows before. And C, we don't know who going to edit this episode. Either way, I can't wait for it to come out to listen to all the quirks because this this one is truly funny. And shout out to Tracy Bush for stopping by in the middle of recording um, with her new hairdo looking fly um, and listening to us badger each other back and forth. So with all that being said, everybody, welcome back to Mixed Company. Hey,
1: hey, hey.
0: Simeon is out here holding another week, another (laughs) sleigh. Even if even if you're not slaying to your best potential, at least put a good ten percent in. At least ten percent slay is good. Simeon, we accept your ten percent slay today. (laughs) We accept all ten percent of your hundred that you can offer because every little bit counts. How you doing,
2: friend?
1: I'll be all right. Okay.
0: Listen.
2: I've been there. Never. Hand, hand, and then record. The, we, have a,
0: <laughs> we have a whole template and format on purpose. Just follow. Like, we just got to follow it. We good. All right. So with that said, just so you guys know, we have a guest today. Yes. Uh, Miss Shamika. Brathwaite. Brathwaite.
2: Brathwaite.
0: Brathwaite. Brathwaite. I just don't want to mispronounce her name. I've been mispronouncing things all day I, at was, work. I always
2: mispronounce everything. You crack me all the time. Last time I, what, I wish. penitentiary or whatever. Still you? can't pronounce it. <laughs> I,
0: I wish people would correct me more often, but wait, wait. I was off oh, today. Is it wrong?
2: No, I think it's, it's right. Because I was like, oh, that's mad Jamaican. Make because my weight. mom's last name is Wait. Is it? Yeah, with E.
0: Right. So (laughs) I'm excited for us to have a conversation about uh, the wealth gap and how it pertains specifically to people of color and the conversation of diversity within wealth building, because I think that that's not something we discuss enough in our conversations. I know we pitch and and bitch (laughs) a lot to um, our agencies and partners and people that we want to take us seriously about the black and minority dollars and she's actually going to weigh in to tell us a little bit more about how we can make more of that for ourselves and also assert ourselves as uh, wealth builders within this country so um, before we get into that it's time for some dope shit or ain't shit no it's not before we get into that, we actually have a listener uh it's not a letter. It's we a have, story. We have a listener story. We have a new feature.
2: Wow. Reading rainbow. Reading rainbow, but like <laughs>
0: not, it's gonna be so so here's what we're doing, y'all. Um, quite honestly, aside from asking questions, like everybody doesn't need our advice. But everybody <laughs> I because and I'm I'm not even gonna lie to you, I don't even think we have that good of advice to give. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let me tell you something. No, you, you can totally you can was <laughs> you can totally take my advice, but sometimes, you know, I might say things um that make folks uncomfortable, make make folks feel away or whatever. Um, not that I've received complaints, but just I'm self- aware. Um, so what we're going to do is insert a new segment, or an addition to our listener feedback listener letter segment. Uh, called Listener Stories, where we're asking you, the listeners, and your, li- and your friends, and your friends' friends, and your mama and her friends, to tell us about your experiences in the workplace um, with diversity, lack of diversity, bias, lack of bias, or anything that you generally want to share about your experiences in the workplace.
1: It's all those fuck ass stories that you tell your friends in the bar. That I also feel like white people aren't aware of because they rarely ever get to hear raw perspectives from us. We want those stories.
2: You know, is it only going to be that?
0: I think no, but it's but
1: it's also solutions, though, right? Because you
0: know, Simeon always
1: want to throw that out there.
2: I think we should call call it the Listener's (laughs) Corner. (laughs) Listener, what? The Listener Corner, or welcome to the conference table, Mm,
0: or maybe we call it Ear Hustling.
2: There we go, because you know we've had authors. We have a whole bunch of things. We got a whole
0: bunch of things. We got a whole bunch of things. So anyway, we're here to listen to your stories and not just complaining about white people. We also want to hear the stories from white people (laughs) because Simeon, we're not the only ones with stories. We also want to hear, we actually want to hear from everybody. What's your experience in the workplace with discrimination, diversity, bias, inclusion? Have you had a great experience? Have you had a shitty experience? We want to hear all of it Um, because sometimes we don't want to talk that long
1: like I just did.
2: But we'll mention your successes, too.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, she. I feel like the Um, story today she gave us... uh, Well, let's
0: let's uh, let her get into it. So we're going to go ahead, press play, and let y'all listen.
3: Hi, I'm a black woman living in Delaware, originally from Brooklyn, New York. I've worked for advertising agencies. I've worked in the banking industry as well as pharmaceuticals. And what I've learned is if you're the only black person in the clique chances are you're not really in the click. So I was working at this ad agency and I was there for a little over two years. I started as an administrative assistant and after the first year I got promoted to executive assistant and I was the only black assistant, whether it be administrative, executive, whatever, the only one. And I thought I had a camaraderie with these other women. We relied on each other, we were each other's backup, we advocated for each other in terms of uh, getting gifts for the holidays, whatever. And so one day I was like, I haven't been on vacation over two years, I'm gonna take a vacation. So I decided to go to New Orleans for a week. While I'm in New Orleans, I get a phone call that offers me a trip to London, all expenses paid. Who's not gonna take that, right? So the trick of the devil was I had to come home from New Orleans, pack my bag and fly out to London and I'd be there for a week. So that one week vacation was going to morph into two. Excitedly, I emailed, texts, called my counterparts and explained to them what this offer was and they sounded so excited and urged me to take advantage of it, which I did. Uh, There was no reallocation of work as it was already set up for them to be my backup. It was just gonna extend the time, so it was great. And I was in constant communication as I was always available via email, as well as my cell phone. So when I returned, you can imagine how surprised I was that my boss called me into his office to let me know that the other assistants felt that I had not allocated my work to them properly and that I was sort of dropping the ball in terms of my part of being clear in terms of which emails I would answer which I wouldn't and how to get in contact with me well of course I was floored however being the only black assistant in this group I questioned myself I went through everything that I did and tried to figure out where I went wrong I went to Human Resources to find someone who can advise me on how to handle this situation because I knew that I was the only Black woman and didn't want to come off as angry and showing out at the company and and make myself. And of course, at a company of 300 people that only have 20 Black people, you don't want to be the representative for the entire race and be the crazy one. So, However, I was advised to confront these women, which kind of took me aback because I was like, really, that's the normal advice you give to confront? I kind of felt like I was being sent into a schoolyard fight. However, I did as it was advised. And so I talked to these women to ask them what they thought I could have done differently or could have done better or how to proceed going forward. And no one had anything to say. Everyone basically said, no, I didn't have a problem. There was no extra work for me. So no one was giving me anything to work with to change my behavior going forward. However, even though I advised this to my boss, going forward, every time I took a day off or decided to work from home, he would ask me if I communicated to these other people. And I just was like, I don't understand. Every year, he gives me a glowing review. Every year, he tells me how wonderful and reliable I am. However, on the word of someone that looks like him, he started to question me. Now, several months later, the same group of women went to my boss and advocated for me to get a $100 Amex gift check as a thank you because as of late, they felt I was being reliable, I was communicating, and I was extremely helpful. However, I had not changed my behavior. My work was as consistent as it was before I left to go on vacation. So I took this as a peace offering as them apologizing for talking to my boss. After they did this, my boss again changed how he treated me. He stopped asking me if I communicated He stopped asking me how I allocated my work. What that made me realize is one, I'm not a part of this clique because this is not how they treated each other. When I thought back on how they treated each other and how it was different from the way they treated me, they had each other's back. If one went out on vacation or if one took a day off without knowing ahead of time that they would need to take it, they had each other's back. They filled each other's blank. And nobody ran to each other's bosses to say what this person had left behind. However, this is what they did to me. And now that I was back and I was not looking like I was going on any kind of vacation anytime soon, I was now the good black girl all over again. And what I did to build my reputation in my boss's eyes, didn't matter as long as they said something differently. So not only was I not part of their clique, but I wasn't part of his. Despite him knowing how well I worked with him and his colleagues, it didn't matter. Someone else he trusted more than me was able to tell him something different. Now he had no experience having these people work for him. He knew our relationship prior to when they came to him. He even disclosed to me that he believed that they were just talking to him out of jealousy. However, he treated me differently. After several incidences similar to that, or just as soul-crushing as that, I decided if I was going to have to work that hard just to have someone speak my name differently and change my whole reputation in the eyes of the person or the company that I'm working for,
0: Hell,
4: I might as well work that hard for myself. And so that's what I did. Some self-employed. And I love it. Yo, hang on,
0: That's police. Okay, so then we're back.
1: Just making it harder. So
0: we're I'm back. So, so <laughs> thanks so much for that story. Yes. I definitely know that I have experienced similar uh, experiences. I've I've I'm, been involved in similar experiences as well. I've did you definitely. make the
2: connection that she made? I couldn't make the connections, like the fact that when she took a step back and was like, you know, I didn't really change anything that I did. I just Here, still did my own thug thizzle, and I've, everybody started loving me again. But
1: I I did that before too. That yeah. happened to me. I, because basically, what happened was the her coworkers stopped being angry or they forgot about it or they got over it. And then they were basically like, all right, cool. She's back in the phone now. It was some, to me, it was some mean girl shit
2: with a I don't, gift card. I, I
0: think, I think, pa- I think part of it's that here's, here's some, I don't think they were trying to apologize. I don't even think they remembered that. I think sometimes we give people too much credit to believe yeah. that they're actually out here strategizing against us. Like not to say that there are people that don't, but there are most people that won't strategize. I think, my biggest takeaway from from this story is the fact that you're not in the in crowd. And I think we take that, we use that as a point of validation in the workplace too often where it's like, oh, I'm good because I kick it with this person. Son, if this is Mean Girls, everybody can turn into your enemy. Mm. Um, and kind of just, and and not to say it in a way that makes it sound dark, but I, I think that that's a, a huge lesson that many of us learn Uh, in the workplace where it's like the hard work, it doesn't matter how hard you work it doesn't matter how friendly you are sometimes it doesn't matter Um, nothing really matters nothing makes sense the moment that somebody feels you have crossed them and they speak up about it people are gonna look at you differently they're not gonna be as loyal. To, these aren't these aren't your friends. Right. Like sometimes they turn into your friends. Like you know. Like but
1: she'd even cross them. That was the crazy thing. Like
0: they, I I don't. They were. I hating. think that there was something they were hating. But that's a cross. Like people right, are yeah. like pure haters. Like oh, so you just about to go on vacation though. For so two weeks. Oh, 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 you think you cute because somebody done paid pay for your whole trip? Where'd she go? Paris? Uh, London.
2: London? London?
0: London? She went to Europe, y'all. She was out here traveling. Okay. <laughs> And people hate, like, listen, jealous ones still envy. Shout out to Fat Joe. And you just always have to keep that in mind. And at any point, I think this can happen to anyone. If there's ever somebody that feels like you don't deserve what you have because they're going through something, they will let it be known. And I think it's really up to us to kind of just recognize that that may happen, that can happen. And people will turn on you, people will treat you differently, and that to me has nothing to do with you.
2: Keep pushing.
0: Keep pushing. Keep moving. Also, don't be telling people your business. That's for <laughs> real for real. That is
1: that's, 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 that's actually, <laughs> just Yeah. We just, that. I'm going to go away. But I'm you know what? Go away. But, th- but that but that's also the catch 22, right? Because It is it is definitely a catch 22. Then the yeah. other thing is and I know I've been talking about this with a lot of friends lately where they're like the minute that you actually start to divulge information to your white coworkers they feel like coworkers oh, in general let's like- be yes, very co-workers
0: in let's general. be very clear about that and i there's know there's all like- shades
2: of nosy
1: but I feel like black people, well, people of color tend to be selective about the information that they divulge to just anybody.
0: True. I don't, I don't know if that's everybody. I think that's a really strong generaliza- generalization. I think if you were brought up to keep your business to yourself, then you do it. Yeah. If you weren't, or you <laughs> learned right, the hard at, way, like, or or you learned the hard way. I just like I want to be very clear that that. To me, wasn't, to me that situation wasn't black and white because I had a very similar situation happen and the women that I were dealing with were all black. It was an all black team. So I just want to be clear that I don't necessarily believe that they were hating on her just because they were black or she is black. I think that they were just straight hating on you and it makes it worse that you happen to be different because of your color. I don't think that they didn't like you because of that i think that
1: it played a role Uh you're saying that race played a role i
0: think it oh, i think okay. it played i think the at the <laughs> to- different like no, the fact did. that she is different and i feel like if they looked at it they may not have they may not admit that out loud but to her point when she realized well what's the difference yeah there is a difference why are, why are you making this harder on me than it needs to be there is a difference either way People will hate on you. Stop telling folks your business. Be selective about what weekend stories you share with your coworkers. Sometimes, if you didn't have a great weekend at the daggone strip club and y'all went to Six Flags later, all you need to tell your coworkers is that I had a great weekend with my friends That's and true. save the details for your group chat with your homies. Or That's true. That's nice. But either way, I appreciate the story. Yeah. It was good. Gave us something to think about.
1: Want to do your own story. Email us, yep, at AskMixCompany.com. dot com. No, at Gmail. At Sorry. The Gmail. it's been a long day. Yeah. A S K M I X E D C O M P A N Y.
0: Every time we, if spell you it- ever do that again, <laughs> we're never gonna have listeners. Like <laughs> we would never have anybody listen to us if that is how you spoke all the time.
2: Sorry. I always think about the Musketeer song every time you spell it out. Anyway. You mean the Mickey Mouse Club? Mickey Mouse Club. There we go. <laughs> Same thing. All good. Anyway, I think it's time
0: for some ain't some dope shit and some ain't shit. It's
2: the third time in a row I have ain't shit again.
0: I have some dope yeah, shit. I have dope
1: shit.
2: All right. Who wants to go first, oh. negative or then positive? Or? Uh,
0: I'll start because okay. I think that this is actually really great. I hope you don't take what I'm about to take. Go ahead. Oh, I guess we'll never know until I <laughs> until I speak, will we? Um, so my dope shit goes out to Audi um for their latest commercial or short film, micro film, if you will. It's like a minute long. Um, welcoming the women of Saudi Arabia to the driver's seat, which I think is a very powerful statement. So for those of you that are uh, involved in the news and watching the news that has nothing to do with Donald Trump's fuckery, Um, and for those of you that have caught your breath and have dried your eyes from the additional fuckery of everything that's happening with uh, the families being separated at the border, there was also news that arised in the last couple weeks that the women of Saudi Arabia have been um, given the right to drive now. So they now have the, I don't want to call it a privilege, it should be a right to be able to transport Mm -hmm. yourself, but they now have the right to be licensed drivers within uh, their kingdom, if you will. So because of that, Audi has gone ahead and put together a beautiful um, piece of creative that showcases a modern couple, um, a modern, I'm assuming, married couple. And by assumption, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're married because, whoa, 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 just because we can drive. Let's not talk about shacking up. Um, But a married couple... (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's like we're it's just whoa, as whoa. Progress- <laughs> we're as progressive as we can get right now. But it's a married couple, um, who are elegantly leaving their house and walking down to the garage and as the husband opens the door for the wife, um, it leads you to believe that obviously in this culture he would drive, but magically not magically, but um unbeknownst to the viewer the woman actually gets into the driver's seat and the husband in the passenger seat obviously showing a very um a very non-traditional depiction of marriage of the balance of gender equality of the balance of uh power within marriage um and honestly like That's like seeing a nipple in the United States, like seeing a woman in the driver's seat. (laughs) It's it is. It's shocking to it's shocking for that culture. That's not necessarily traditionally uh, traditionally has not been a culture that has been accepting of women um, doing much. And I don't want to say doing anything because because I don't know a lot about that culture. But I do know that, you know, women have been uber protected. I don't want to say oppressed because. I don't think that that's fair for me not to know that much about your culture, but women definitely have been overprotected and, and uh, per Western values, not respected. So to see a woman in Saudi Arabia driving her husband um, or while driving, while her husband is in the passenger seat was shocking. Um, for me, it was empowering to see it. They you know, it just, it showed love, it showed mutual respect and I was here for it. And, The commercial ends with the tagline, um, you know, Audi welcomes the women of Saudi Arabia to the driver's seat. Um, And as we know, figuratively, the driver's seat is where you want to be in this. In when you are trying to reach somebody help me when you are trying to reach success, when you're trying to go somewhere where you're trying to you want to be the leader. I was (laughs) I was obviously not in the driver's seat. (laughs) We I miss my exit. Route. I, <laughs> miss, I miss my. I miss my exit. No, the driver seat. Is... Oh, you... oh, yeah. oh no, we're good. You come in. Come on. Come on in. Come on in the room. <laughs> we are about. Yeah, we are. We're, we're. I'm almost done trying to express how ex- empowered I was to see the women of Saudi Arabia receive the right to to drive, and also. Um, how they've been depicted so positively within the latest Audi commercial. And then I went on a long tangent because I couldn't find no words. So I was just out here talking. Should I go next? But it was exciting. So shout out to them. Shout out to – actually, Doug Zanger, a homie to the show, Mm -hmm. um, is now – a senior editor at Adweek, and he actually uh wrote the article which sparked my dope shit for the day so shout out to doug shout, shout out, out to, to audi doug. shout out to the women of saudi arabia because <laughs> i needed to watch something else besides walls and crying children because lord knows i couldn't do it that
2: is my ain't shit
1: oh good yeah where
0: was i watching we the news watching where MSNBC. were you
1: oh i don't I, oh sorry. <laughs>
0: Were you on? You haven't been on social media. No. Nah. Well, you know, thank God for Karina because Karina's gonna tell you a little bit something about the <laughs> okay. ain't shittery that's happening in the country. Go ahead. So,
2: um, yeah. If you watch, do you watch Am Joy on MSNBC? You don't watch nothing. You see, you oh, just shit. asked me where I was. <laughs> but she did a special three-hour episode. It was three hours. It was three hours because she long usually long starts be at better. like ten. This time it started at nine a.m. Mm. And mm. it was about she was at the border in Texas in what's it called it starts with a b brownsville Brownsville. isn't that interesting i know right that's all right anyway i think
0: the only people that would get it live in brooklyn but go ahead
2: i don't live in brooklyn i got it i mean you be there sometimes with us i do i do but anyway so in brownsville texas they started reuniting families with their children this has been a big story with our immigration crisis and especially because they've shown pictures about little boys and they haven't shown the pictures of little girls and these are deplorable terrible internment such, like camp situations
0: can the, we pause for a second yeah. you do know that there are and children I, 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 yes, in internment camps yes, yes. okay yeah mm-hmm. so okay,
2: what they did this weekend is they had a rally there's a lot of celebrities oh, God, there guys. rob reiner um i think the ex-mayor of san antonio was there They are reuniting, some of the families got reunited with their children, but they have to sign to leave the country. So they get to take their child, but they have to still leave the country. And then on top of that, you know, you have families who do not have the ability to get a lawyer and things like that, and they're still in the system. And it's disgusting. I mean, what I liked about A.M. Joy, because she didn't leave any stone unturned,
0: she will cut you out. She really don't care. She She hasn't cared for a good twenty-four months. She really don't care. I mean, she's not worried about anybody's feelings.
1: Necessary because, like, there are literally people still alive that were in Japanese internment.
2: Oh no, she brought it back. Even the white. I am about to say even the white (laughs) even the
0: whitewashed history is helpful at this point. Oh yes, because it's very specific to what she was talking about. Keep going.
2: She went all the way back slavery come on she went all the way back she talked touched on every point about taking children away separating families whitewashing not only through black people through native americans through chinese there's also um it's been a very
0: eurocentric way of of dominating or establishing power right when you're able to cut through the family unit you're able to cut through emotion, and as we know, emotion is a lot more powerful than common sense. Mm-hmm. These people don't know what to. They literally become slaves to slaves to their emotions once their family unit is broken apart.
2: That's the way, and which
0: is why apart. he said, "This is why I'm saying, like people." I'm not gonna get too mad because we don't need to be on this podcast too much. All right, I'm gonna wait. Before
2: you get there, they did a recent article of a child who was a Latino boy that was adopted by a white American family, and he, like, the the way that they brought him up and it hasn't been a while. It must have been like two years. Have whitewashed this child? It's not his. Like, it's still happening. And I, all I could think was when I was watching the news. All I could think was make America great again. Honestly.
0: Because that's because, but it's been a very Eurocentric way of like, of just establishing power. And not only that, I think the worst part of this all was the other rally that I saw where Trump and his folks, them, decided to have um, an event for families of victims who had been murdered or harmed by immigrants. What? Child, listen, cause you know it. Cause every time I say it can't get worse, I see some other shit. He's so basically, so the point was to literally drive home the fact that immigrants somehow um, taint this country. And I just really think, from a media perspective, cause this is something that I keep hearing people at my agency say: "What do we do? What do we do? What do we do?" do, we do? Literally, this is why it is our, it becomes our duty to correct or to. To push for pure representation, mm-hmm. and not just by seeing colors and seeing gender, but also to make sure that we're telling the accurate stories. Right. Because if the government, the U.S. government, has always been the savior, in times like this where the narrative has has shifted so much, we pe- what people don't recognize is that like we become the people that have to claim power. When people talk about immigrants, even the word immigrant, people start to think of brown and dirty and harmful and dangerous. What we need to be saying was the Mayflower folk.
2: Okay, okay, We're also immigrants.
0: Like, let's not make it seem like somehow because they were pilgrims, they were more. Well established, and they were more affluent, and they were better people, and they were God fearing. That's not the case. They were immigrants. They, they were, were immigrants and with t- guns. T- t- Per their star story, they were they were escaping. Um, what was it? They were escaping uh, religious religious um, persecution. Co- oh,
2: come through! Come through!
0: <laughs> that was the second that wave. wave. Come on. The wave. can you tell? Ta- right, can can oh, I give you this microphone? L- we have a lot. We just have a lot audience. of guests this is a today. We have a lot of guests today. <laughs> Can you just introduce your, your name? You don't have to tell nobody no, nothing else of your business. Maybe your nickname.
2: I can introduce you Miss, before. okay. All right, this is my friend, Arnetta. Okay. Well, that's all I'm going to
5: say. That's it. <laughs> <That's laughs> She's about to give you a history Because I was going to say right it's Miss A, but Arnetta works. Go ahead.
6: So the first people that came to the U.S. actually came because they were being exiled mm. from Spain. Christopher Columbus was a... Mm, um, he was a
0: child molester.
6: He was a child molester. He was, he was, was a rapist. murderer. He was a rapist. He was a murderer. He was a felon. Oh, right. Let's he just was a, let, oh, call he he was what a what if he's a felon. Yes. He right? was an immigrant and felon. He's an immigrant felon. That went to another country. Hello? That went to another country to establish residency or claim dominance over another country. Mm. Now, again, he thought he was in Africa.
0: Because he's simple. Because he didn't
6: know how to navigate. Because
0: he was kind of simple. He wasn't really that smart. He really smart. didn't know how to read he a map. Really no, really he really yeah, really, no, he, he, didn't he didn't really didn't know, know.
6: how to it. As a matter of fact, yeah. there was somebody else on his ship that spotted land. He didn't.
0: Because, you know, he probably also needed glasses. But, he's too you know, <laughs> he was simple. He's just a really simple man.
3: But the
6: bottom line is America was made of immigrants that originally were felons. Let's, I'm, I'm just going to. Thank you, right live there. studio
3: audience. <laughs>
6: Thank I
0: appreciate I did not know that. I didn't that. know that either. And I'm always here for new information. So let's call it like we see it. So, this land, because let's let it, let it be known that we know that Christopher Columbus did not discover America, nor that he stepped foot in North America. He actually only stepped foot in Central America near Limong, which is where my family is from in Costa Rica. Shout out to them. But on top of all of that, he too was an immigrant that was a felon, that raped and pillaged people, a nation of people. So when we talk about how the most pure American thing is not letting anybody else in, no, the most pure Eurocentric thing is to take shit that doesn't belong to you and somehow change the narrative to make it seem like it's not your fault. So all I'm saying is... It's our job and our duty to reframe the story and to tell the, the right story and to tell people's tru- truth and to be authentic. And that is what we can do. Yeah, we can give our money and we can donate and we can go help families and we can send all these extra Christmas gifts this year because that's what a whole bunch of families are going to end up doing, buying shoes, whatever. But we we can't change the minds of the people that are currently in empower in quotes within our government but what we can do is train a culture of people coming up behind us to know better to know the real history to know that every you're not like no human is illegal you the how you get here should be able to be rectified literally that's what the united states has always been up until recently so That's to me, that's our job, that's our duty. We don't get to slack off on that anymore.
2: I'm really scared about the future of America. Kai, we talked about this in an offline conversation. I I was sober
0: too, (laughs) that was intense. Sorry,
2: but when I was watching it, when I was watching the children, you know, a lot of things that have happened in this country 911, things like that they have history behind it. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that have happened were retaliation from countries being angry and things like that so it's going to be a mismatch mosh pit of children who are going to come from families that are like teaching good values then it's going to come from a lot of children from a lot of families coming from hurt you know remembering these things that have happened to them remember being in internment camps you know it can go both ways you know when you what I look mean? at
0: people now that remember what it was like in Bosnia back in like ninety four, ninety five. yeah, and a couple people that I've met like since college, and they think about that time that they had to leave their homes. they think about they 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 look back at that time with so much hate. So imagine the adults that we are rearing right now with so much hate in their heart, not because of what they've learned, but because of what they experienced. And with what we speak about in the DNI space, it's our experience that has bred so much anger within us that has caused us to activate or become activists. I can only imagine what these children and these teenagers, as they become adult age and have a little bit more power and resources, how they will stand up and fight against the bullshit. Exactly. You have some dope shit.
1: I do have dope. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, good. Um, I have happy things. Good. Uh, so wait, what's today? Monday? Oh yeah, today's Monday. Um, look, it's been. Good morning. <laughs> um, Netflix just released glad their, do this uh, a great day in Hollywood video, which featured. Um,
0: Everybody, Avery Duvernay. Yeah. The A little boy from flows. Stranger Things. He's yeah. so he popular. He narrated it. That's yes. the little homie. Yes.
1: Uh, but it it was inspired by the 1958 photo, A Great Day in Harlem, which featured 57 notable jazz musicians. This one featured 47 black Netflix actors, directors, producers who do all the things that we love, which are like uh, Luke Cage, Dare White People, um, 13th. Orange is the new black. Orange is the new black. Luke Rev Cage. Runs
2: DIY.
0: Listen. I saw I said I, they I saw got, them. And I was I like they're he here. They got Chrissy and they, they, they got Rev Run hustling. but they didn't bring Michelle and Barack cuz you know they they produce. They are producers. Hey, they're producers. We got Spike
2: Lee. All
0: right. I loved it. I think it was very well narrated. It was yes. very well shot. Yes. I instantly got the um the the reference when they panned out and you could see everybody. I thought that was amazing. And it was nice to see most people uh reposting it on my timeline. It was good to see some happy news, some happy black news for a change.
1: Yes, it was it was very happy. And I think the the tagline is this is not a moment, this is a movement hopefully advertising can like pick up a few things from them ironically though yeah, they released it there was a
0: whole debate about releasing it cuz remember a couple days ago their public their pr uh oh, yeah, he their said pr the director yeah. was out here using words he know he damn well not supposed to be using mm. um he so he said the the n word in a meeting and he was fired um obviously that's exactly
1: how exactly. do you just slip and say that
2: exactly
0: well i told you the story of a friend of the show who was in a recent meeting with a client, a very well-known client, who also said this word as if it was nobody's business but his own. Was he Like, so far- like in a rapper? <laughs> like, I don't understand. No, you know, like regular but conversation. Like, a, yeah, like I went it, to the store, the, the N-word, <laughs> and then, listen, folk, like, people, There's no need to be shocked about anything anymore. The way the culture is, this is just what folks do. Some people say shit because they like to get knocked upside their head. The problem is my mother doesn't work in advertising, so she can't just take off her belt every time somebody needs to get their ass whooped. So folks just out here getting fired, which is fine. Anyway, I thought it was really good that they stuck to their guns and they still released the commercial because to me, that's really making a mark. We don't tolerate prejudice fuckery we do want to make sure that we're moving forward with a movement and not just a moment. So shout out to
2: Netflix. Amen. Hello. I have a plug. If you haven't watched it yet, watch Rapture on Netflix. Yes. Support-
1: oh yeah. I watched it. Ah,
2: yes. Yes. Thank you. Which, Dwayne did the whole
1: thing. He did the whole thing. He
2: did. He composed the music. I didn't know that. The girl, I've been watching it since. Like, <laughs> thank you for supporting y'all. You're welcome. If you haven't watched it, watched it. Shout and out If to you were doing Emmys, it's for your consideration. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
1: all right. Dwayne du- 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 also did our intro music. Yeah, so technically. <laughs> <laughs> so technically, like,
0: we're also in the Netflix family. And we just <laughs> we didn't read our invite to the photo. Totally fine. Um. So yeah, I guess this is the time where we'll go ahead and get.
1: Beyonce and JC dropped an album okay we can go
0: no not, not now not today we don't have time we don't have time we we, we don't have time you should have said that first I'm that sorry. should have been your dope I'm shit. sorry I,
1: I, I literally just remembered
0: goodbye Simeon because now I have to like talk about this on the train either way let's go ahead and be productive and slide into our topic of the day
4: on the line we have Shamika Brathwaite who is um a doer of all things. She's in fashion, she's in higher education, um diversity and inclusion. And the reason why we wanted to talk to her today is because she has um she does a lot of public speaking about um closing the racial wealth gap in America. So we just wanted to welcome right. you.
7: Thank you so much for inviting me here today. <laughs> Yes, we're so excited to have you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet
5: you. I know that you and Sam got to connect, but we didn't get to connect with you. Um, but you can just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you talked about, like, your are on the fashion industry and being FIT. But what really, like, sparked you to do this um, this particular topic for diversity and inclusion?
7: In, in regards to the main work that I do, I – mainly work with, and I have an acronym for the individuals that I, I work with and serve, so it's, the acronym is SLAY. So it means, you know, service providers or service professionals, ladies, artists um, for A and Y for young professionals. So for me, as being a woman of color, a black woman, you know, that's a group that's near and dear to my heart. And then also in regards to the work that I do as a professional in my professional career, I'm responsible. I'm working in a mayoral initiative to re- recruit more men of color into the field of education. So it's really about diversifying the um, education workforce because number one is a gender gap; um, it's not a lot of men in that field, and then number two is not a lot of men of color. So that's how I really um, started to dive deeper into the work. But before that, while I was working um, in career services at Fordham, I was the diverse. It worked in supporting the di diversity initiatives to help employers recruit the diverse students on campus. So we organized events such as the diversity recruitment banquets and similar events like that. So that way to provide a meeting meeting space for qualified students to meet employers that was looking to diversify their pool of candidates. That makes sense. What, um, and this is Kai, by the way, but what is the gap? that you feel um, general conversations about wealth are missing um, primarily for people of color and women um, in this conversation? Like, How do you think that the conversation needs to be tailored differently so that people are getting the information they need um, that they perhaps haven't had before? Uh, I think what is important is really financial... Education um, and being able to have a full understanding of the importance of leveraging good credit, um, savings, um, generational gaps, or I mean, creating generational wealth for your family. And, you know, working within higher education, I see especially a city university compared to when I worked at a private university, just as the financial mindset of students, so at a private university, I would see students, you know, study abroad, travel, um, do take more risk, um, wouldn't think twice if needed to take out a student loan Birthday family was well to do; they were able to pay it fully in cash. And then, being on the opposite side of the spectrum, where I had to work with young professionals who came from more of the inner city uh, schools, you know, it was more as they would rather take two years off from school to take rather than take out a five hundred dollar loan, and then not seeing the effects of you taking two years off and not completing your studies, time is money and money is time. So they put the value on, I'd rather not take out a $500 loan. I'm going to miss two years of college. So it's just really about people, how they think about money, um, how they see it, how they view it, uh, taking challenges and risks, learning how to invest. I think that's very important and critical, and that conversation does it happen as often as I would like? To? It, it it all depends on different circles. It all depends on different circles,
5: I even have, have
7: within I, the black community.
5: I, I, yeah, like I know when I was in college, like I didn't. When my parents were going through a divorce. My mom was going through a really hard time, and I didn't. I didn't try to be a financial burden. So like, I did try to. Well, I did get like full scholarships and loans and things like that. But then when college hit, things changed, um, and I had to get loans. And, like, that did stop my, you know, everybody's wanting to go to study abroad. I didn't get to do that I didn't want to spend too much money. So things happen. Life happens. Like, how do you empower, you know, younger people or others, you know, to take those risks despite the things that, the obligations and things that happen to them?
7: Uh, one of the things is becoming resourceful, and just to touch upon what you said, you know, I, I couldn't afford, I, I, you know, just to share a story with you, I went to, I once I made the decision that I knew that I wanted to study abroad in London and Paris, the Fashion in London and Paris program, I went to the financial aid officer. And she was a Caucasian older woman, middle aged woman. And I went to her and I told her I wanted to go. And she crunched a couple of numbers on her keyboard. And then she turned to me and said, You can't afford it. And immediately, as if on cue, as if she'd done this a thousand times, she pushed the box of tissue to my end of the desk, as if I was supposed to then cry all of a sudden. But, no, I didn't take that um, as the final verdict, just really going out to different classmates, talking to them, wrote um, letters of petition, uh, received money, went back to high schools, Alumni Association, really just went through setting up appointments with every single administrator on campus and just doing somewhat like a sales pitch on why it was so important to invest in me in order to make this trip happen. And literally, I did that, and I was able to get all the money that I needed and actually had some left over after going abroad. So it was really, you know, the mindset, uh, really just believing and being able to do that, being resourceful, asking questions. And it's so easy as, as individuals to try to solve the challenge ourselves, and try to figure it out ourselves. When we have the world as our oyster to reach out, to connect with people, to ask, okay, you've been successful in doing this. How can I learn from this individual? And success leaves clues. And one thing that motivates me is when I see other people of color succeeding and doing very well, and I try my best to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I want to learn what it is that you're doing that's totally. working so well. I have a question. And it's to me it sounds like it's obvious, but I think it, it's worth getting your transparent perspective. Why did the counselor tell you that you couldn't afford it? Like, did you go to her without or with a number in mind, or did she just assume that it's something that you couldn't do? No, she crunched the numbers. Um, at that time, school was very expensive. Um, I was on financial aid for the most part, covering at least 75% of my tuition. This was at the time, which was about maybe thirteen, fourteen 14 years ago. It was about a $9,000 program. It was costly as it is to afford a regular school year. So just crunching the numbers, It's like, hey, um, if you want to do this, it's going to cost you $9,000 if you don't have the money, then you can't afford to go. So I think what happens is that people, they will hear the no or you can't and automatically give up instead of looking at it as a challenge to say, okay, um, it may be a fact, but is it the reality and can you – you know, do what you need to do in order to get the funds to make it happen. She said that right. to me, especially when she pushed a box of tissue. I, it, it automatically became a challenge for me to say, okay, let's make this Right. That's, I mean, that's the part happen. that made me just side eye the phone because she automatically, <laughs> like, she doesn't know how you how you emote when you're going through. Don't just shove a box of tissues in my hand. Um, I think it's interesting that you say that in the – conversation that we're having about uh, wealth gap and how it relates to diversity. Um, Recently I was having a conversation with a group of um, friends from college and one person brought up a really interesting point about how um, in primarily the African-American communities or African-American communities that we are related to and that we uh, are part of that network, tend to approach life with a sense of lack, with a sense of I can't or I don't have, therefore I can't do. Um, Do you – how do you approach – I guess similar to Karina's question, but how do you approach – or how do you tell people to approach thinking more positively about their circumstances so that they can do more things? For example, um, I know even Karina, Simeon, and I, we're traveling this week. Like, we're all going out of town, out of the state, and out of the country, Um, and probably spending more money than our parents probably did on summer vacations with friends. And I know a lot of people look at us like, well, well, how do you do that? And for us, it's like, well, we just do. Um, But for people that are not necessarily comfortable or that don't necessarily feel empowered to do things because they may be approaching their situation from lack. What do you say to them to kind of follow their dreams, uh, or yeah, to follow their dreams? Oh, with that once again, it's all about financial education. Um, I have friends who who. <laughs> their 100th country this fall at regular government jobs. They manage that, yes. That's their entire brand. You're breaking up a little bit. I I didn't catch the last part. I was just saying that my family and I went to Jamaica and Italy the exact same summer, and we were able to utilize the entire Jamaica trip. Off of our travel points, where we had the flight, the car rental, and the resort all taken care of through our points. We didn't have to come out of pocket, and our travel for this summer, the same thing. But it was because of networking, learning about resources, learning that, hey, you need to learn how to leverage. Um, your finances and your money you have to balance it so just being receiving that financial education tip we were able to work the system and say hey if you're giving me free travel points to do this and i pay my bill anyway by the end of the month it's a win-win situation so and i met people who are like oh my gosh i would never do that i would never have a credit card i would never have and and because because of not having that Information on how to utilize um, uh, different travel options and traveling off-season and, and other ways to cut costs and save money, they're, they're not traveling. My family is West Indian American, so they don't travel anywhere except back to the Caribbean and back to the States. That's it. There's no such thing as traveling the world. Right, we go back home.
4: Yes, we go back home. So one of of the interesting things that I keep hearing you saying is um, the financial education, and you also mentioned network. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody this week about her buying a house and how her coworker basically schooled her to how to to get it done, right? Um, And then when we talk about – Traveling and things of that nature, like to me, like it's those are kind of the the, the next steps after getting a job, almost in, in the way that I'm looking at it. Because, to one, to be able to travel, you have to have the money to afford it, even if you're looking at it through through the lens of of a point system. Um, and so when I'm when I'm thinking about the racial wealth gap, because this is something that's like been pressing on my brain for the last couple of years. Um, because everyone keeps talking about the fact that you know the black dollar is 1.3 $1. trillion dollars, $1. Trillion. it's worth 1.3 trillion dollars, but then at the same time we have these stats where um, where they're saying for every hundred dollars that a white family has, a black family only has five dollars. So, how do we even start getting to the step where we can start looking at this, where people can start looking at their situations from? or feeling like they need to educate themselves financially because i feel like to even get to that step when people are like living hand to mouth they're not even thinking about the financial education piece because they're trying to figure out how to get the job that's going to allow them to start using best practices so i guess i guess the question is how do we look at the the lack of employment or or how do we adjust the lack of employment in the context of racial of the racial wealth gap, if that makes sense?
7: No, I, I I certainly hear and it I mean and it starts out very young. Um I was just having this conversation the other day with someone that you know, you start as early as possible and what happens is that when you see people your career it starts as early as as early as you can work. So to be competitive, um, people are starting to, as students, high school students, get in internships, maximize the opportunities, get in groove for success. Then that, of course, leads into college, and then from there they're getting the better opportunities. By the time they graduate from college, they have some really great credentials and things out out from. Their resume, and they're able to seize better opportunities and build a career from there. Uh, what happens is that one of the things that I see a lot of people do is not being more reactive in regards to their resume versus being proactive and intentional. So people will just say, okay, I'm just going to work here. I'm going to do this. And not really seeing the, pick, the bigger picture, really having that mentorship. What I see in other cultures is that a heavier influence of mom and dad, um, you know, mom and dad grooming and, and giving advice on taking these steps, this is going to be best for you in the long run. Um, unfortunately, my family, my husband's family did not have that um, that knowledge to pass on, so we had to figure it out on our own the hard way. But if we had that mentorship and guidance from our family to say, hey, you need to go to college and Take upon these activities. This is going to set you up from success. So what happens is, it's like you're, it's, it's constantly you're digging yourself out of a hole, and that's, and that's the reason why I'm so big on financial education, the mentorship, and things as early as possible. And 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 now, um, I have a friend who just wrote a book that's a children's book on teaching young kids about the power of the black dollar you know and that's great at a young early age and when you talk about home ownership and traveling i remember in college i formed a pack with my friends that we said hey all of us our goal is before we hit 30 we have to buy our house our first house and I would say for the majority of everyone in the group who formed that PAC, we were all able to buy a home um, by the time we're 30. And it was not easy, but it, it came about, you know, saving and um, taking advantage of tax breaks. I remember when my friend bought her first place and um, Obama was giving out the $8,000 um, uh, uh Credit at that time,, the I credit, mean, yeah, yeah, you know, like friends, we were like you know we're like but it's time, so people were like either a um having their parents you know leave you know leave their property to them, or a people were able to buy their own homes and and same thing it's it's so easy, like for me when. I was um, in courtship with my husband. Like, when we were dating, we both had the same mindset. It was like, listen, I'm chasing character, not the carrots right now. Like, we need to make sure all our bills are paid and saved. And to get that $25,000 wedding, we want, when we get married, to to open up the door to our new house. And that's what we did. We had our house three weeks before we, we got married. So it's really about, like, the mindset, really staying focused and clear on what your vision and your goal is and what it is that you want to do. And as for a career, getting into those positions that um, that are challenging, um, it, it's thinking outside your box, in your circle. Like for me, I'm, I'm in the higher education field, which is very diverse, so I don't have too much challenges, but something like, for example, my husband who's in the field that's very Caucasian Jewish dominated, he has to expand his circle of friends and mentors and friends. So, like, one of his mentors is a Caucasian Jewish guy, and a lot of his friends are of different. Diverse. Like, you really have to step out of your circle because if you you have to expose yourself to different people. And I have a couple of friends myself, too, um, That's that's women of color, men of color, but then I have individuals who, are of all different nationalities who've come from a different background than myself, and I have to pick their brain because they were exposed and received different information than what I received growing up.
4: So uh, one of the things that you, there when we spoke um, a few days ago, you mentioned um, people leveraging their distinctive factor, and now we're talking about Get breaking into these challenging industries like advertising, like media, and excelling in them. So when you, when you say your distinctive factor, like could you expand a little bit on that and give us some context?
7: Yes, it's definitely your uniqueness, your talent, and your ability, and really knowing what. You're good at and great at, and leveraging that to succeed within the place of work. So, when I was uh, pursuing the fashion industry, I knew that I was great at creating technical packages, and that was a high need in the industry at that time. A lot of my classmates did not have a job lined up to them after college. I did because I figured out, okay, this is a need in the market, this is what I'm good at, and being able to effectively market that. And people and individuals have to take the time to really invest within themselves and ask those questions on what they're great at and what their strengths are and and that what has the industry, you know, seeking and craving for, from them. In order to fulfill these types of roles, because because organizations they are looking for creative people, they want more creative talent. Uh, what happens is that a lot of people tend to uh, either blend in with the rest of society and do the same thing, the same the same way, and they really don't stand out. So, what is very key is to Use every single element to your best ability so that way you can get your foot in the door to some um, opportunities
4: that you're trying to through. So that's interesting, too, because, like, right now, when it comes to people of color, there is uh, a conversation that's happening about the need for diverse perspectives because we've seen things like Black Panther. We've seen what happens when Issa Rae creates a TV show. So there, there is a call to action for this uniqueness that, you know, people of color bring to the table. But at the same time, like, we're not seeing the industry actually um, coming through on their end, which is hiring and promoting and paying us equally. So it's kind of interesting that you're – like. Like, I get what you're saying, but then it's also because we know that. Like, we know that we're supposed to be unique, and, like, if we're putting together our resume or our portfolio, it's about how do we get it to stand out from the crowd, but at the same time, like, we're not seeing the return. I feel like a lot of people don't see the return on their investment in the context of getting hired in these industries that are competitive.
7: It is. It's really – a competitive industry, and that's something that I hear a lot from a lot of people, and a lot of people shy away from that word competitive. Oh, it's competitive. It's competitive. And my response is become competitive. I, You know, one of the things when, when it comes to the job market, um, a phrase I like to use is get into my Serena Williams mode, and that, I mean, she is just one of my favorite athletes, but she just think, win, and dominate, and just get in there and just... Win and um, you know it. It is it is competitive, but you are constantly thinking about how could you be the best, the cream of the crop. Um, you know, being the person that they want to to seek out for these opportunities to roll. And once you, you know, one of my um, quotes that I always tell people is when your name rings a bell, the door of opportunity remains open. So it's really getting um you know, and that's the reason why I love being a peak performance strategist because it's it's all about taking things to the next level. It's and it's really about above and beyond that you're in your own lane and in your own category and you're not even worried about competition because you go in and you win. And I mean, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to think like that, but sometimes it's just absolutely necessary. You just, you, you play to win. Like you don't, it's not even, you're not even going to put your hat name in the hat. If you're, it's just not even going to happen. It's, it's, it's the
4: only option. How did you get into, because you, as as in your career now, you kind of touch a lot of different points, uh, but you started in the fashion industry, and on our show, mix Company, we tend to focus on um, industries that, Sort of inter- that intersect with advertising, which are creative industries. And so you came from fashion, and now you also work in a DNI space. So what were some of the things that you um, witnessed or experienced while you were in fashion that provoked you to start exploring d
7: When I was in the fashion industry, and I had an early love for the industry at an early age and went to the high school of fashion industry and majored in college, um, when I graduated, I worked. My first job out of college was working as a technical designer, and that position really allowed me the ability to work with a lot of professionals in the overseas production office. So whether it was Hong Kong, Indonesia, Taiwan, Guatemala. Uh, Singapore, I had the opportunity on a daily basis to interface with a lot of different international counterparts. So from early on in my career, I just had a global mindset in connecting different people and utilizing staff of
4: diverse backgrounds. Cool. So I guess it's – hold on 2nd second, let's flip this uh, – hydrogen, fire hydrant. Um, Okay, so if we're – I kind of want to jump back to the reason why we wanted to talk to you today, so which is the lack of diversity. So when we contextualize the lack of diversity in the workplace, what are some of the ways that you've seen this impact the actual community of color outside of the workplace? Like what are some of the disparities that you've seen generate because of the fact that we're not being – um, hired and promoted at the same rate as our white counterparts?
7: Um, seeing There are certain industries that have yet to really embrace diversity. I mean, people talk about it, but when you really look at the makeup of the companies, it's not as diverse as it could be. Um, for example, one industry would be, let's say, the commercial real estate industry, and it's very dominated by Uh, you know, individuals that are not people of color, and that's an industry where people are making money, building a legacy, um, creating generational wealth, and because we as a people, people of color, wasn't afforded the opportunity a large amount of numbers to buy property, to invest, to have a seat at the table, it's very hard to break into an industry, for example, like that. So because of that, it's causing it's causing a generation, not a generational wealth gap, but it's causing a disparity in earning potential. And that's what happens with a lot of industries that doesn't diversify, especially with people of color. Then you don't have the ability to to earn as much as you can. You know, people are brokering multimillion-dollar deals every day as we speak, but if you don't have the opportunity to compete then you won't have the chance to earn that makes sense i have one more question for you because a lot of our uh listeners tend to be a little younger maybe even slightly less maybe motivated isn't the word but they you know it's hard to see the big picture what would you say what what are, do you have three extremely, extremely practical tips for young people of color to consider when they aspire to build wealth? Not least surround yourself with like-minded individuals. That's, you know, iron sharpens iron. So you have to have that network, that important network around you. So that's very critical because these are the individuals that's going to help push and shape shape you. Um, you're some of the people that you hang out with. So I would say definitely as you are pushing through that wealth gap, it's really finding that group of individuals to do that. The second thing uh, I mentioned that earlier was really finding out what you just need to factor is, what really makes you, unique that you can profit from, that idea, that creativity, that uniqueness that you bring to the marketplace and capitalize on it at full maximal value, that's going to be critical, really, especially when you're young and fresh in your career, it's truly by trial and error, but really looking at those discovery moments and recognizing what What makes you excel and what's going to create and what makes you excel is going to set that fire and that trailblazing path for you to become successful. And last but not least, in regards to building your generational or just building the wealth gap, it's really about, you know, the mindset. The mindset is everything and being able to act upon it, not only to be able to think about what it is that you're trying to do and achieve, but to do it. And time management, self manager time management is going to be a key because it forces you to prioritize, to know what you will and will not be doing with your time and, and with your life, and it sets the course for you to achieve what it is that you want to do so if you want to write a book it's not just going to pop out of the sky and land on your computer you're actually going to have to do the work so whatever it is that you're trying to do is really being committed following through and doing the work necessary to make it happen prioritizing and making it happen
4: yeah that's that's dope I mean like I did a time audit a couple of weeks ago um, and it really changed the way that I looked at how I was utilizing time because I realized I was BSing a lot. Um, yeah. But um, we would like to thank you for taking the time out to speak to us. I think like the knowledge that you gave us um, is is going to be key for a lot of people because we're while we're also trying while we're all trying to progress in our careers, we're also looking at how we can progress in society overall. And I think what you gave us was some some really key um, steps to take as far as how to, for us individually, how we can each individually start to close the racial wealth gap in in our own um, individual situations. Um, So, yeah, like, really, really thank you. before you go, can you let people know where they can find you, how they can um, learn more about the work that you're doing, um, and anything else that you would like to plug?
7: Um, yes, I can be found, all my information on what I do and can be found on my website at www.shameekabrathwaite.com. I do have a lot of few uh, giveaways. Um, I have an ebook, book Jump Start Your Career 8-Week Action Plan that I give away to individuals there and other resources I provide on the blog. and. You know, I just look forward to just connect and stay connected with people. I'm on social media and feel free to connect. Amazing. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciated the conversation. And hopefully we get to get you uh, in person with us to uh, laugh and joke with us on another episode. So we look forward to that. No problem. Thank you for having me tonight as a guest. No problem. Absolutely. Take care.
0: all right guys well that's our show thank you so much for tuning in as always um do us a favor make sure you keep in contact with us on all the social media platforms as you know we are ask mixed company and that's on twitter i think it's facebook as well as instagram and if you want to shoot us an email we're askmixedcompany at gmail.com you can also check out our website at mixedcompanypodcast.com see y'all later